This is Payments Innovation. We take you deep into the DNA of digital finance with some of the most respected voices in the industry. Let's dive in. Welcome, everyone, to the Payments Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Kara Hayward. Very excited to have two amazing guests from Anthemus today, Rose Foxblader and Elizabeth Davis. We will be exploring today the VC market um, and what's going on globally around venture capital, specifically focusing on fintech, but also more broadly. But more importantly, really focusing about the experience of women in and women entrepreneurs and um, the experience of them trying to gain funding out in the market. And so I have two of the best experts here today. So Ruth, maybe you could actually give for our audience just a quick overview of Anthemis for those that aren't aware of Anthemis. And a little bit about your story and how you got here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Um, So my name is Ruth Fox Blader. I am the CIO at Anthemis, and I'm also on the investment team in the trenches working with companies. Anthemis is a multi-stage investment platform focused on the financial services ecosystem. We're looking to make positive change in financial services. We have investors on the team like Elizabeth who focus on founders at the earliest stages of their journey. So, you know, pre-seed stage companies and we go uh, currently all the way up through uh, growth uh, investing as well. And we've been at it for more than a decade. So uh, many of your listeners will know some of our early category creating uh, investments in the financial services space. And we are continuing to actively deploy capital today. Thanks so much, Ruth. And Elizabeth? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Kara, for having me. Excited to be here and, and being a part of this conversation. So like Ruth mentioned, I work at Anthemis on our Female Innovators Lab Fund team. So I get to invest in the pre-seed and seed stages, really focused on female founders and co-founded teams across US, Europe, UK, and Canada. Uh, and it's been a pretty exciting ride. The Female Innovators Lab Fund was started in 2019 in partnership with Barclays as a $15 million fund and now has grown. We just announced this past April to become a $50 million fund with Barclays, Aviva, Visa, and Bank of Montreal. So it's been a pretty exciting growth journey. Congratulations, by the way. That's such an amazing achievement. It's so exciting. <laughs> Thank you. Well, before we dig into the state of the VC market and, <laughs> and everything like that, I'm, I would love to maybe hear a little bit about your individual stories and the why behind why did you become an investor? Why did you join Anthemis? And why are you both so focused on female entrepreneurs. Um, Elizabeth, maybe we'll start with you on this one. So I come from a household of two entrepreneurs. Both my parents started a company within financial services as a kid. And I think when I was a kid, I was thinking, I never want to work in financial services. My great-grandfather had an insurance company. So both from the insurance and financial service side. And I was always thinking, you know, I want to work more in the impact sector. So I started my career working in Coca-Cola on their impact team. And we had a focus at that time on on women's entrepreneurship. So really focusing across India, China, Turkey, looking at how do you empower 5 million women across the ecosystem with Coca-Cola. So that I think sort of started the thoughts and the wheels running a little bit on, on women entrepreneurs more broadly. I actually left to start my own company then. So building these impact programs for Fortune 500s and learned so much through being a founder myself. 
and got recruited from my own company <laughs> to join this advertising agency working exclusively with female founders called Warren. So we were doing branding and campaign activations and all of these things. And at the time, I saw such a disconnect with these founders really struggling to get VC funding. And I was thinking, you know, what is the issue here? Is it something that it's not venture scalable? Is their business not interesting for whatever reason from a VC perspective? Uh, and so I ended up going back to business school and then more focused on the VC route and joined another fund before coming to Anthemis a little over three years ago. So it's been a pretty exciting ride, especially from sort of the founder operator perspective um, and sort of full, full circle now with the, the family as well. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for that story. I love that. Ruth, uh, if you uh, could give me your story now, too, I'd love to hear how you got to uh, Anthemis and why you've chosen to be an investor and focus on especially in, uh, empowering female entrepreneurs. Um, I have my whole career spent time really thinking about gender equity and empowering people from all walks of life to sort of fulfill their dreams. So none of the funds that I work on has a specific mandate to invest in women or people of color. But uh, across my portfolio, I've invested 80% of the time in those people. It's really because I just believe in investing in the best people and the best founders and excellence is evenly distributed. And I'm often just shocked to hear that other people have difficulty identifying those opportunities. Very often, those overlooked founders present uh, massive financial opportunities, which is really sad to say, because other investors, for some reason, are not um, backing them early on or even later. But you know, we are really looking um, at the kind of market opportunity, the tenacity of the founder, their ability to put together a business, to find product market fit to develop the company. And those are the criteria that we evaluate. And I think when you do that, you tend to have um, actually a, a quite equitable portfolio. I have uh, tried to do some work specifically um, to empower more women in venture capital. So with one of my other colleagues, Sophie Winwood, uh, founded a, a program called WVCE um, to help women in the venture capital ecosystem, basically network and um, build their careers and have uh, excellent opportunities to both invest in female-led startups and also, um, you know, really progress uh, as, as venture investors, everyone from GPs and, and partners to women who just might be interested in venture and technology. So I do think it's very, very important. Well, awesome. I'm going to shift gears just for a moment. Um, I'd love to hear sort of the outlook on the environment just more broadly at the moment. I know I think most of our listeners are very well aware of some of the challenges currently in the VC market with interest rates, with some of the bank sort of crisis that we've seen with a crackdown from regulators. But I would like to hear your own unique views on what the, maybe some of the challenges are, but also some of the opportunities that come in periods of challenge. So Ruth, I'd love to hear your outlook first on this. It's absolutely um, shocking. Uh, the extent to which the capital availability that we had seen has really shifted. The market is in a massive period of price discovery, which means that deal making is very slow and it's it's difficult to have confidence about how to price a deal and therefore it's quite difficult to execute a transaction. On the opportunity side, we do have 
a huge opportunity to invest in world-changing companies. We're seeing massive enthusiasm and excitement around world-changing technologies like generative AI, allowing people to think that we can see technology change on the scale of the internet revolution again. And I think that, you know, for for those who want to solve big problems and back amazing founders, now will definitely be the time. I love that. And if I could ask one follow-up question, but then I definitely want to touch on Elizabeth too, because it sounds like maybe we're shifting towards that seed side and that idea side. But Ruth, of the um, entrepreneurs that you work with that are succeeding through this time, albeit with challenge, of course, what are some of the sort of traits or, you know, you mentioned tenacity is a big one. Like what, what would you say they've focused on that have helped them get through this hard period? I always like to tell companies I work with, the only price that matters is the last one. So if you're really married to a valuation that you raised at in, in 2020 or 2021, um, I think that you're likely to get disappointed. I think if you're super excited about the business that you're building and you're constructive about the amount of capital that you need to get to the next phase and you have some line of sight on break even, um, you know, you can get something done. But like I said, I do have a lot of empathy for founders who are working right now and particularly founders who, you know, this is kind of their first crack at the apple and they haven't experienced a downturn because we did have the impression that um, capital was just going to be continuously available. Wow, that's fantastic. That unit economic piece I hear time and time again, but I also like the sort of the realism part, which is a hard balance, right? You want an entrepreneur to have that dream capability, but you got to have a bit of the realism in there too. Thank you for that. Um, Elizabeth, so I'd like to shift gears just slightly and I would like to hear your thoughts. I mean, again, and usually what I've heard in, in times of challenge within VC, um, it does actually create opportunities at sort of the pre-seed or seed level but um, I also want to hear really about how this truly affects female entrepreneurs and what you're seeing in the market. Um, have the challenges gotten even harder for, for women? Has it gotten actually a little bit easier because, you know, there are funds like yours that are focused on seeding females? So I'll let you sort of speak to that for them. I think at the end of the day, entrepreneurship, exactly like Rue said, is risky and it's incredibly hard. Um, I think I, I think one of the challenges in care, I know you and I had spoke about this a little bit earlier too, is as we think about the entrepreneurial journey, it's typically a 10 to 15 plus year journey. And so if you think about, say, we have a lot of founders that are starting companies in their mid-20s, mid-30s, or even early 40s, and that's often a time too when women are thinking about starting families um, or they're starting to think about buying their first house or whatever it is. And so you're layering not only the, uh, the, the really um, pressure of starting a high growth business on top of maybe starting a family or, or buying your first house. And what I think is interesting and even an example for our portfolio, we've had a couple of our founders that have had kids uh, after we invested in them. And one of them uh, was looking to go out to market to raise her A last year. And she said, you know, confidentially to us, you know, I'm really nervous about raising because I'm pregnant and I don't want to be viewed differently in the market by other investors that I'm not committed to my business. And, and also this is one of the companies that is performing the best within our portfolio. And so she's had some of the strongest metrics. She's had some of the most momentum. And so you see these 
pressures that other founders may not face, but a lot of women are facing because of where they are and in life stages and whatnot. I do think it is incredible. And I have so much inspiration from seeing that with Ruth too, because she sits on our investment investment committee for the Female Innovators Lab Fund. And especially as I think about, okay, having kids one day, what does this look like? Having someone at Anthemus, who's our CIO, who also is managing having kids and traveling and sort of, you have these great examples of these incredible women in the ecosystem that are able to, to do both of have kids and then manage really a high powered career too, both from the startup side and then the investor side as well. I have to say it's extremely inspiring and it's really nice to have that representation because it's really hard to, to picture it for yourself if you don't have. So that's, I think you touched on a really interesting point um, with, with, despite the challenges of uh, that females, you know, um, in, in the market, especially when they're thinking about starting a business, they get it done. Right. And I, and I, I think that's awesome. But I think despite that fact, I've read a lot of stats that are still very concerning. Um, I think it's something like 2%. Am I, am I, am I right on the stat? 2% maybe of funds are going to yep, you're right. <laughs> crazy. Can we get into some of the hard stuff here? Like, why is this happening? I mean, I think, so it sounds like a little bit of representation, um, a little bit of sort of that repeat founder fund, but like at the VC level, what do we think is the real reason? Behind- yeah. I mean, I do think it is really dramatic and extreme. Um, the, the statistics around all female teams raising uh, only 2% of venture capital as you get um, rounds over a certain size, you know, you have really tiny percentages of women who are raising um that that much money, um, I do I do feel like it's not particularly a venture capital problem, and the place that we solve um, this problem is not necessarily only within venture capital. I think we have a kind of ambiance of sort of systemic discrimination and expectations of women um, around career paths and choices, and particularly certain subject matter, which is very well known. You know, the way that girls are treated in school, um, the way that women are guided in their careers, the kind of language that we find acceptable from women. So it's really hard for one industry to correct for that. I think what's probably interesting is to understand what is it about venture capital that's sort of bringing together all of these um, weaknesses that we traditionally associate with educating and raising women. And I wish I had answers to these questions. They just are so tough. But I think one thing that I would say is it's really not a pipeline problem. We often hear people say, oh, I just don't see any female founders or I, I, you know, I want to invest in more women or I want to hire more women. And they just, you know, I, I, none, none will apply. And I think it's really important when you hear those things to just push hard. The question is, do we want to solve the problem as an industry? Uh, If so, I think it's eminently solvable. And I do think that to the extent that we understand and know that female-led teams are highly performative and that diverse teams are highly performative, we as investors really do have the opportunity to influence not only who we invest in, but how the companies that we invest in grow. We know that if women have high-ranking roles in startups uh, more and more, that more and more women are going to start companies and more and more women are going to have exposure to this particular part uh, of, of the market economy. And 
so I think that's the place that I'm really going to focus on, uh, sort of the opportunities that we have to appoint external board directors, uh, you know, external non-execs, the extent to which we have the opportunity to influence hiring. Of course, we want our startups to hire the most qualified, best candidates, but we don't want them to hire all the same candidates. It doesn't make sense to really try to serve a large population and have the, your employee population be totally unrepresentative. So I think to the extent that we can chip away at these norms, we really can change the industry. I think Ruth really hit the nail on the head. Just to give you a sense from a pipeline perspective, so the Female Innovators Lab Fund was launched in 2019 and really started making our first investments in 2020. And since then, we've seen over 1,500 female founders within embedded finance, fintech, insurtech. And so whenever someone comes to me and says, I'm not seeing any female founders in fintech, I say, well, we've seen, oh, I mean, 1,500 plus over the past few years. And so it's definitely, to Ruth's point, not a pipeline problem. And I also think what's in- incredibly important is having more women VCs at the table as check writers. So less than 15% of VCs that are check writers are women. And so when we think about some of that implicit bias that exists when, within the ecosystem, and, and to Ruth's point, within really any ecosystem, but if we're, we're talking about VC specifically, there's more of a need to have women VCs in the ecosystem, to have women check writers at the table, so that we're driving more capital to uh, gender diverse teams, whether it's all female founding teams or co-founded teams or, or really whatever that is. I love it. I, I'm very excited to hear those numbers, by the way, the 1500. I mean, that's um, so maybe as we wrap up here shortly, I would love to hear a couple things. So number one, any sort of maybe success stories that you're excited about that are sort of on the top of your head. Um, and then and after that, I'd love to follow up with what can we all do within the industry, right? So let's say whether it's encouraging more, you know, female entrepreneurs, for those that aren't necessarily in VC or entrepreneurs themselves, like what, what can the rest of us do to support this? But let's start with any stories that either of you may have that you'd like to highlight um, about whether it's, you know, w- women within the VC community, female entrepreneurs, Um, or anyone else. One of the things that I really love about the work that we do is just we're very focused on being great investors. And um, that is that it doesn't matter what uh, gender or sex you are. I have a couple of companies, uh, female-led companies in the portfolio I'm super excited about. One is a a company called Keiko. They do uh, institutional-grade crypto markets data. Um, The founder is a young woman pregnant with her third child. She is an absolutely dynamic powerhouse and it is absolutely the best, cleanest uh, crypto markets data that you could ever wish for if you were a bank uh, or an insurance company or an investment house or any other financial institution that really needs reliable data. I had the joy of spending the day a couple days ago in Paris with one of my uh, female founders who is normally based in Cameroon, but she was in France receiving an award and being received at Elysee uh, Palace in Paris um, by uh, France's president uh, for the work that she's doing, creating uh, an investment and savings app for Francophone Africa. Uh, and that company is called Ijara. And the, the founder is named Nelly Chateau-Diop. 
And so, yeah, those are some, just a couple of examples, but we could go on and on and on. Love that. Thank you for sharing. That's fantastic. Elizabeth. Absolutely. For a couple of rockstar female founders, I feel like I could speak to every single one within um, the Phil portfolio, but two that are just really top of mind. One is Addition Wealth, and it was started by a founder, Anna Mahoney. And she has just done an incredible job. Her background uh, previously, she had been at the CFPB, was the head of US City for Uber Eats, and is in Launched Addition, which is really this financial wellness platform for employees through their uh, employers to help you with everything from buying your first home to thinking through retirement and all these different tools to even understand equity ownership. And so it's been really exciting to see her trajectory over the time um, that we invested in her in 2021. And then another one, and I think that this is indicative of this market in general and just speaks to the importance of good founders, is we invest in this company, Pile Capital, Jessica Holzbach, and Balage. And when we invested in them, it was a crypto as a service company. So very different in terms of what they were looking to do for the business. And they actually pivoted in late February, early March to become a treasury management business. It was amazing timing, um, especially with everything with SVB happening. But I think it really speaks to at the earliest stages that you're investing in the founders that can pivot and that see this need in the market. Uh, and so it's just a, a great example. And so if you need a treasury management solution, look at Pile Capital. <laughs> well, thank, thank you so much for sharing. Oh my God, all these stories are fantastic. Love that. Well, thank you both. I really appreciate the time today. Excited for the audience to hear your story. Uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you, Kara. Thanks so much, Kara. Thanks for joining us here on Payments Innovation. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas about the show. Connect with Currency Cloud on Twitter or LinkedIn to find out more. And remember to subscribe via your favorite podcast player. Until next time.